0: Hey everyone, we finally have podcast subscriptions. Get exclusive subscribers-only podcasts with interviews, our personal opinions on current events, and coming soon, early access to our public releases for only $6.99 a month. Subscribe on Anchor right now. You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. Our special guest today is Brittany Winner, whose sister reality winner just got out of federal prison after disclosing a classified record from the NSA revealing Russia's attack on the 2016 election. Four years ago, Brittany's life was transformed from a typical doctoral candidate studying all the time into being her sister's advocate and a doctoral degree holder. Besides all the many reasons why we would want to interview Brittany, there is one she raised that people might not be aware of. As she explains, her whistleblower sister Reality's body is free, but she is still muzzled from speaking to the media by the rest of her sentence and court controls. So Brittany Winter is here to speak for her. She explained why her sister made the decision to leak records to The Intercept and what she was doing at the time she made the decision, which actually might surprise you. She even explains precisely what spurred Reality Winner to engage in an act of selfless heroism in service of our country. But Reality Winner's sentence for a 63-month plea deal can't silence her family and it can't call back the truth she exposed. Russia attacked the 2016 elections and our intelligence agencies knew about it. Her stark warning informed local and state election officials who otherwise would have never had a means or method to get briefed by the NSA. Take a listen to learn what happened behind the scenes directly from her sister, Brittany Winner. I'm here with Brittany Winner, whose sister, Reality Winner, just got released from federal prison. And we are also joined by Indigo, who's seven months old. Brittany, how are you and Indigo doing today?
1: We're great, thank you for asking, and thank you so much for having us on today
0: no, it's wonderful. Uh, thanks for joining us on the program uh, w- you know we'll We'll start out um, with when you found out reality was arrested right? Um, what were you up to, and how did you find out?
1: Well, I found out that reality was arrested um, very much after the fact, so i didn't know at the time um, when reality was being arrested um, on the night of, or when when she was able to have phone calls in jail the night of June 3rd, 2017. I was actually out at a movie. I was watching Wonder Woman. And I kept getting all of these calls to my phone from an unknown number, you know, and, and spam calls, you know, are out of control now, but, you know, frequently I would get them back in 2017 as well. And so I didn't answer them, you know, I'm sitting at a movie, but, you know, after about the, 10th or the 12th call. I probably should have, you know, realized that something was going on and taken one of them. But, you know, I was at a movie and I was really enjoying the movie. Um, So then, you know, I didn't really think about it much after that. But um, later on that night, my mom texted me. It was probably like 11, 1130 at night. My mom does not stay up that late. So of course, when she texts me, there's something wrong. And my mom texted me that she and my stepdad, Gary, were on their way to Georgia because reality was in trouble. And of course, I'm like, immediately, I realized that it was reality who was trying to get a hold of me through those 10 to 12 calls that I didn't recognize. And I felt really bad. Um, So that's kind of how I found out that that reality had been arrested and that she was being held in jail.
0: And had reality been in trouble, quote unquote, before?
1: Reality had been in small amounts of trouble before. Like, um, for example, my mom loves to tell the story about in middle school, in eighth grade, reality started a food fight. and. I don't I don't remember why. Um reality had some sort of reason, of course. It wasn't just for no reason. Um, but because of that, because she organized this this food fight, reality was not allowed to walk the stage for eighth grade graduation. And I remember um mom being upset and reality being upset and them just kind of holding each other crying. And of course I'm standing, you know, in the corner of the room going, like, well, I mean, come on, what did you think was gonna happen? kind of thing. You know, actions have consequences. So I mean that's that's the caliber of trouble that my sister had been in before, as far as you know, just a food fight. It's not you know she's she's never hurt anyone. She's never you know um, done anything to put anybody in any sort of danger. So um, that's the kind of person that reality is is that her her trouble is you know what what some people might even go so far to say is as good trouble, especially the type of um, thing that she did back in back in you know May of May to June of 2017.
0: I, uh, once stole a butterscotch candy and, uh, that, that I wasn't allowed to have. My I was like, no, I was like five, six years old. It's one of my oldest memories. And she's like, uh, we get into the car and I remember unwrapping it and she could hear it. And she just pulls like a U-turn, goes back to the candy store, makes me go up to the guy who's running the counter and apologize for stealing the candy. And I'm like bawling, upset or whatever. And he like goes and gets like a pound of candy and gives it to me. We get, and I'm like, I don't understand what to say. Because you felt bad or something. Don't worry about it. You know, just don't, you don't want to do that kind of thing. We get back in the car. My mom takes that pound of candy and she gives it to my sister. And it just was like the biggest burden to me. <laughs> uh, I,
1: Did you learn a lesson?
0: I learned a lesson. I never, I never stole another butterscotch candy a day in my life. I can tell you that. Um, you know, Good, so
1: it's not, it's not very tasty in my opinion. Right.
0: So. <laughs> I'm one of the few, I like those little things. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 orange looking ones, of course. Um, so your, your, your family, what, so when you, they got to Georgia, were you able to go over there or were you stuck in Texas at that time? Uh, And what was it like, like the first time you talked to your mom about this? um, Was it like frantic or there's nothing you can do about it? Did you even know what she was charged with at that time?
1: So I was actually in Michigan at the time um, doing my PhD. So um, I was very far away from both my family, you know, my mom and my stepdad and reality. So I'm in Michigan, reality's in Georgia, and my mom and my stepdad are in Texas. So it's kind of a big old triangle that spans, you know, the Midwest, Southeast, and of course, Texas. Um, so I didn't actually get to go to Georgia until a little bit later. um I would have liked to go immediately, but um I couldn't so studies uh my lab studies didn't permit me to, and I couldn't leave immediately to go to Georgia as much as I'd wanted to to be there for reality and to find out what was going on um because at the beginning, we and i mean we as in me, my mom and my stepdad didn't know what reality was charged with um and I believe that lasted for a day to like three days. And then all then it was all over the news that this, you know, NSA contractor was being charged with espionage and being charged with, you know, willfully, um, retaining or transmitting a classified document. And so my mom tells a story about how she didn't know what reality was being charged with at all, even though she had gone to, you know, some of reality's, um, pre-trial detainment hearings. Um, as far as I know, they didn't, nobody really ever told her what reality is being charged with. And finally she asked somebody from the press and she said, do you know what my daughter's being charged with? And they said, you don't know. And my mom said, no, I don't know. And then they explained it to her. And that's, I think when the severity and the seriousness of the situation became very clear because it wasn't, you know, I don't know. I mean, DUIs obviously are very serious charges. Um, anything else that would be like, you know, drug related, though my sister has never really done drugs and has never really drank to excess. But, you know, honestly, I couldn't think about anything else that she could possibly get charged with or arrested for. So I was just, you know, what are the common things that people People spend the night in jail and a couple days in jail for. So that's when we realized how serious this was going to be. And it's not even just a, a situation where reality is being detained by you know the state or the county, but this is a federal charge. And she's got the entire United States government at this point, you know, going after her. But you know, we couldn't have known at the very beginning how bad it was going to be.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm sure that the FBI probably assumed that she may have consulted you or your mom about like, Hey, I have this document. I have this thing. My understanding based on uh, everything I've seen is that never happened. She never actually did that. She saw what, uh, so, so can you explain what reality actually did for someone who may not know uh, the basics of it?
1: Sure. So, um, reality was sitting at her desk, you know, I don't, I don't know what day of the week it was, but it was normal-ish day. Um, and she saw that on the TV in the room, um, there was Fox News playing. And on Fox News, there was an announcement that James Comey had just been fired, and he was the head of the FBI. Um, James Comey had just been fired by President Trump. And this was in the middle of, you know, the summer of 2017, or the very beginning of the summer of 2017, in the middle of the swirling sort of accusations um, about how the Trump campaign might have colluded with Russia in order to win the 2016 election. And you had the conservative news sites saying this is a hoax. You had, you know, the other news sites, um, maybe more liberal news sites saying that this was not, I know, this was not a hoax. And so it was really just, um, it just depended on which channel you ended up on, um, what you were being told. And since reality was watching Fox News and seeing that James Comey was fired, she got upset. Because this seemed like a flagrant abuse of power, this seemed like to her something that President Trump was doing in order to um, save his own skin, in order to you know decrease any suspicion of you know involvement with with Russia. And then on Reality's computer screen, she saw a memo, an internal internal classified memo, essentially on some sort of bulletin board, um, NSA bulletin board, that detailed. A Russian spearfishing campaign, and this essentially was Russians who were sending emails to voter authorities in different states. So there were, um, I believe, eleven states that were affected, and these these voter registration um, officials and voter um, maintenance officials were receiving these emails, thinking that they were, you know, potentially thinking that they were legitimate emails, clicking on them, and then now the Russian hackers had their credentials and could hack into their system. And Riyadh is looking at this document, she's reading it and she knows exactly what it means. It means that Russia did attempt to interfere in the 2016 election. And it's, it's there right in front of her eyes, clear as day in English, that the United States intelligence services, such as the NSA, have direct evidence that this happened, that this is real that Russian interference in the 2016 election is real. And her eyes are going from her computer screen telling her what's true and what's real and going back to Fox News in the corner and she's seeing something that's not true and not real and she's got a decision to make. And I think at that point, um, because my sister is who she is, because reality is a person who doesn't always think about what's best for herself, reality decided that the American people deserved to know the truth, the truth that was plainly written on her screen. And so reality printed out the memo, printed out the page, folded it, put it in her pantyhose because, um, all of the contractors were essentially, you know, searched. I'm not sure how, how, um, thorough the search was, but as they left the building, they were searched their personal belongings, their lunch boxes, et cetera. And she had to go through metal detectors, et cetera, um, going in and out of the building. But she took the document outside of the building and then she put it in an envelope addressed to the intercept with no return address. And she sent the classified information detailing the fact that Russia attempted to interfere in the 2016 presidential election to the intercept via the mail.
0: And then the rest, obviously, you know, the, the, there were a lot of reasons why um, they found out it was her, but, um, you know, uh, that isn't, I mean, it's interesting. I remember when I was investigating uh, Russian interference at the beginning in like mid 2016, um, we didn't have any proof from the government about it, but we did get some warnings and some highlights about what might be happening. Um, and then early 2017, when we started calling for an independent probe of that, um, it started to snowball. And when we got the documents that reality had released that really uh throttled us into the molar probe but also gave us the momentum of like this is real our own government says so and they still were talking about lies and, and things like that um so she gets uh, arrested and detained and put into i guess federal prison uh at that time or, or in holding um and was she was she ever given any kind of release or or is that not until now or even even sort of a release, but now is the the first time that she's actually been out of federal prison in over three years. Is that right?
1: Correct. So um, when reality was arrested on, on June 3rd, 2017, she was taken to a rural Georgia County jail in Lincolnton, Georgia, which is actually about an hour from her house in Augusta, Georgia. So I think this was probably the closest federal, you know, jail that was appropriate for, for federal inmates. And she spent over a year in that rural county jail and it was just god awful. It was, it was a terrible situation. So reality had no less than four hearings for pretrial release or bail. And I actually um, participated in one of them. I gave, I gave testimony um, regarding some of the text messages that reality that I exchanged that the government used to paint my sister as as a terrorist and as a threat and I also talked about her character and what kind of person she is and and just tried to emphasize that reality poses no threat to society when she's she's out you know on bail as we really thought my mom and I really thought that she was going to get bail I mean we were already planning that fall for Thanksgiving dinner and we were going to have family get together there in Augusta Georgia so we could be there with her You know, my, my mom was prepared to put her own house up as collateral for her bond. I mean, it was just devastating that reality was denied bail for no good reason. The, they had already taken her passport. They had already frozen her accounts. She, she doesn't have any connections. She doesn't have any money. Like, where is she going to go was kind of our just incredulity at this, at the whole situation. So reality spent over a year in that rural Georgia jail where you know, oftentimes they needed to, um, reality would actually call our mom if she needed anything. Like when the inmates ran out of toilet paper, they were out of toilet paper for four days thereabouts before, you know, finally something happened. And, you know, reality was getting a reputation of, of being kind of, you know, some sort of, you know, whiny, you know, entitled person. And it's like, well, if having toilet paper means you're, you know, needing toilet paper and, you know, Doing whatever you can to get it when you're locked up like that uh, makes you whiny and entitled. then I think most people would be whiny and entitled because that's just you know it's it's wrong. It's like basic basic necessities and human rights, and so there were there were a lot of times when when reality needed our help on the outside to get things on the inside because they're understaffed, and of course this was this was all pre-COVID, but you know I'm sure that things have just gotten worse in those rural j- jails. Reality was um reality pled guilty. To one count of willfully retaining or distributing um, classified information to a person who doesn't have a clearance, and uh, part of the reason why we think that she did that was she was threatened with the government with you know ten years, which is the maximum sentence, you know, and or um, if reality had gone to trial, who knows how long that would have taken, and reality would still be suffering, you know, in that jail during that time because she was not going to get out. And so the government really wore her down and you know broke her spirit. And when the government secured the record-breaking 63-month sentence, they actually had a party and there was champagne and they toasted each other um, on how good of a job they did. So um that whole situation was obviously very, very bad. But um reality was able to go to FMC Carswell, Federal Medical Center Carswell in Dallas Fort Worth area. And this is a specialized facility where we believed that reality would get her medical needs met, such as um, treatment for her eating disorder, her OCD, um, and her anxiety. Of course, it did not quite live up to those expectations, um, but it was better than the rural jail, at least until COVID hit, because the federal prison in Dallas had programs and reality could do correspondence college, for example, and she could actually feel like she was moving towards something and living her life and not just stuck in her room all day doing nothing. So um, before COVID hit, it, it wasn't a bad environment for her, you know, as far as federal prison goes. Um, but then when COVID hit, it was, it just got, it just got terrible. And there, um, there was a lot at the time where Uh, After reality contracted COVID, she was treated very poorly. The past two years, you know, year and a half have really been a nightmare. So we're just really thankful that reality has been released from federal prison and is now in home confinement, where she can have a little bit of bodily freedom in that she can choose kind of what her days look like. She's still stuck to a geographic space. She has an ankle monitor. She needs permission to go to Walmart, for example, for three hours. She. Also has random, you know, obligatory drug tests that she has to rely on my parents for uh, transportation to and from those. And they're in corpus. So they're about 45 minutes away. So it's, it's still not a very good situation. It's, it's better, but, um, you know, we're very grateful to the BOP for allowing her to do home confinement. And now it's up to President Biden to grant reality a full pardon because reality deserves it. She has done something that was ultimately beneficial for the United States and every single person, because our right to vote should matter. And there's been a lot of press about voting rights, and there's been a lot in the news about voting rights. And our right to vote and the right of our vote to actually matter and be counted is something that I think most people should care about. And it sounds like a lot of people do care about. So reality deserves a pardon for protecting our elections and for shedding light on some of the things that were happening back in 2016 that hopefully we won't allow to happen anymore.
0: I was going to ask this as one of my last questions, but I'm going to move it up. Um, If you could, let's say for some reason, God forbid, I hope he's not, but if, if President Biden were listening to this right now, uh, what would you say to him?
1: I'd say, call me. I'll be there, Um, you know, as, as fast as humanly possible. I think it's only about a, um, maybe a, Five ish hour drive from where I am so I'm happy to drive up I'll meet with you at your convenience um, and I want to talk to you about my sister reality winner and I want to um, ask you to give me the opportunity to convince you that my sister deserves a pardon and that there's there's no downside there's only upsides and that it would make a huge difference um, to us and to a lot of people who support reality
0: so let's say he would say okay um, yes she did this but I don't know, based on these documents, it seems like the government has alleged that she hates America. Does she hate America?
1: Reality does not hate America. If you, if you hated something, you wouldn't try to improve it. You would only try to tear it down. Um, reality did not divulge information that betrayed, you know, ways and means. The Russians already knew that we knew that the Russians already tried to interfere in the 2016 election. What the Russians like to see is the constant back and forth and the turmoil. The fact that, you know, Fox News is saying one thing, CNN is saying the other, you know, America's divided, America can't agree. What Russia would not like to see is conclusive evidence being put out there and the truth being put out there. So I think that in terms of what reality did, um, she did not harm national security. Um, in fact, she, she strengthened the American people's Knowledge about what actually happened. And she, she made it very clear that they needed to trust, you know, the truth because it it is so hard, especially in, in, you know, today's, today's political climate. Um, everything just feels so politicized. Again, you just, you switch one channel to the next. You hear a completely different narrative about the same events. But with this document, reality gave the American people the truth. And yes, it was classified. Yes, it was illegal for her to do that, but it was the right thing to do.
0: I agree, and I think it makes her an American patriot. And I think her service to the country before that in the military proves that as well, and it stays on track with that. Um, I think that it's uh, it's right to criticize the government uh, when they need to be criticized and support and when they, you know, don't need to be. Like you can't just be supportive all the time. I always said that if you people who supported president Obama and were like, I support everything he does. Don't you agree with everything he does? And I was like, no, I was like, I agree. Maybe two thirds. Like if I, if you agree with everything he does or whatever, then that's a little too much for me. Like I didn't think enough was progressive or it was the wrong way to do things or whatever. Like you just don't want that kind of person. Who's just a yes person in the room with them uh, talking like
1: that. ship.
0: That's not, that's not
1: real love. That's not, I mean, if if you love your country, again, you, you change it, you fix it, you work with it. You, I mean, that's what, that's what the founding fathers did. I mean, they were constantly, they, they set up a constitution and they were trying to make it better. And they were constantly, you know, hopefully trying to reform it for the better.
0: Uh, You mentioned harsh sentencing. How much do you think, obviously we're seeing this is, uh, before was the most corrupt DOJ that we ever had. Um, do you think that that played a a role in it? And do you think that it was like an example of anyone else who wants to release any proof of Russia, you know, here's what's going to happen to you. Love Trump and whoever was in Sessions, I guess at that time, Uh, Sessions, Whitaker, Barr, they're all all the same in in my mind. But uh, do you think that that corruption kind of played a part in it?
1: Absolutely. Reality's harsh sentence was supposed to deter other whistleblowers and other people from leaking classified information. Um, And she was definitely made an example of she was essentially the, you know, quote, unquote, head on a pike for the uh, Trump administration. And they wanted to bury her. And the fact that they very early on, the media just repeated the prosecution's allegations that reality hates America, that reality is a terrorist, that You know, all of these things, it was, it was a character assassination. And then when she got a record breaking sentence, um, 63 months in federal prison, you know, um, people had already been led to believe that she was a bad person. So maybe the casual viewer would say, Oh, good. You know, we've, we've made our, our country safer and we've, we've done the right thing. But interestingly, (laughs) Trump tweeted about reality sentence and, um, didn't mention her by name, but called her small potatoes. And you said, gee, gee sessions, you know, this is very unfair. Obviously I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And then, of course, you know, brought it right back to Hillary Clinton. This is nowhere near as bad as what Hillary Clinton did. And so we were actually pretty, um pretty stoked about that tweet Um, before we really, you know, knew Trump and his kind of M.O. that what he tweets about, you know, five minutes ago, you know, doesn't really matter that much because it's it's gone and in the wind. I mean, back back when he could tweet, of course. But, you know, it just it just goes to show that that it, it was a very harsh sentence. It was something that we really didn't expect. We I think expected her to first of all, um, we, we don't think that she should have been charged under the Espionage Act. We think that she could have been she could have been charged under like a misdemeanor, mishandling, classified information. People who have power or money get that charge because, you know, it's it's the more convenient charge. Like if they have to get some sort of charge, it's a slap on the wrist. You know, maybe you get community service, maybe you have to pay a fine. She certainly should have lost her job and maybe she certainly should have lost her security clearance. I mean, those things are fair. I think that that would have been a just punishment for for what what she did. But, you know, it was just really excessive what the Trump DOJ did to reality.
0: She reminds me sort of like uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman and the Khan family, the Gold Star family, and, you know, the suckers and losers sort of mentality that they had of attacking veterans and I think that's one of the keys is attacking reality is attacking a veteran and no matter which way you put it part of it it just seems so clear to me that this was this was used as a catalyst against whistleblowers within the government especially because uh, and then all it did at that point was backlash and obviously it brought more attention to it. And I think that th- this was not what they planned, h- how things to end and whatnot. Well, in regards to you specifically, and I know you're from what I've learned about you, uh, it's, it's not, you're a pretty selfless person and uh, you've, you've done a lot for your family and uh, done what you can for reality. But uh, how, how has this impacted your life?
1: In about the week, you know, right after reality was arrested, um, I had trouble sleeping. I was constantly being called by, you know, news organizations. It was it was hard seeing my sister's face, you know, on on the front page of, of news sites and on the Internet, just casual browsing. You know, it was like being thrust in the world that I never wanted to be in you know, suddenly everybody wanted to talk to me about reality and, you know, suddenly reality was famous and for what people at the time would consider good reasons. Right. And of course, I didn't know what the document was or what her purpose for leaking it was or anything like that. You know, even, even once I heard that she was being charged on the Espionage Act, I didn't know, you know, and I didn't know what the Espionage Act was. I was like, almost done with my PhD. So I had pretty much had my my head in the sand for four years at that point, almost going on five years. And to be suddenly thrust into this political crazy world just kind of like shook me to my very core. It challenged everything that I thought that I knew. Like I thought that our court systems were fair. I thought that the department of justice was actually interested in justice. <laughs> I thought that in the United States if if you're a good person and you didn't mean any harm and you, you know, said that you were sorry that yes you would you you know would face consequences for what you've done but I never thought that this could happen or the kinds of things that people said about reality who don't even know her and that was the thing like they didn't they didn't know her. I know her and I know she's not a terrorist. She would never hurt anyone. She would never join an organization that hurts anyone. She's not the kind of person who can be radicalized. She is so secure in her own convictions and in her own mind that she can't be swayed by online groups that radicalize people. And I think that, like, what was also so fascinating about reality is that she was, you know, at the time that she was arrested, she was 25. Here's this twenty-five year old woman who's done this thing, you know. And um only recently have I really like realized that one of the reasons, in addition to being an example to deter other whistleblowers, one of the reasons why she was treated so harshly is because she was a woman who didn't do what she was told. <laughs> you know, and like bad things happen when when women speak out, when you know, things happen, like the consequences just seem like they're so much worse. And so it's just like it is this whole experience has just changed me completely, like 100 percent in basically every way, because I've I've been forced to reconcile with how I viewed the world, my worldview. And it's also changed me for the good, because I've met such wonderful people such as yourself, Scott. I'm very glad that I've met you. You know, these wonderful people who care about reality and who you know believe in justice, just like I do, and are willing to call attention to this horribly unjust situation. And you know, so many people are, are signing the petition for reality to get a pardon from President Biden. It's just amazing.
0: If uh yeah, if she were a terrorist, she would have stormed the Capitol, you know, like that's what I Exactly. I, it's it wasn't I haven't seen anything like that. And I've looked at the case, folks. Like I've looked at it the top to bottom, um, and also another interview we'll be talking to, to their to reality's attorney. Um, but it it's it really it's clear to me there's no extra. There's no like what a what about this angle? If she were a terrorist, or if she were linked to Russia, or if she were linked to any of that, um, we would have known by now, and it would have come out by now. There's no like hidden back end here. Like this is this is the basic story. This is it. That's what happened. People have done much worse and gotten a lot less even away with uh, things like this. Because again, while it may be a crime. The biggest crime was the acts of war committed by Russia, and exposing that because our government was lying about it was a pretty big deal. So, uh, and very important to to me and uh, to our country. You know, it's been a a long road or whatnot. And I know that uh, Indigo's what seven months old. Has, has she been able to meet Indigo? Has Reality been able to meet Indigo yet?
1: Reality did meet Indigo. Reality met Indigo the day that reality left federal prison. And it was a surprise. It was, it was wonderful. My mom just, you know, she told me the date and I said, what if I, what if I came to Dallas? What if I were there? And my mom was just like, what? She was shocked because she never even considered it. And I was like, you know what? I think, I think we need to make this happen. And so we did. And, and, and Indigo was, was actually six months old at that time, but it was about, about a month ago or so. And, um, it was Indigo's first plane trip and she did wonderful, but reality pulled up in the car in the back seat and according to my mom, um Reality almost jumped out of the car when she saw me and the baby. Um, while it was still moving. So my stepdad Gary had to be like, Okay, Reality, hold on, wait till the car stops moving. And Reality just ran up to us and she was just so happy. Like the tears of just happiness. She she loves Indigo so much. <laughs> and you know, we love her too. So Indigo got to meet her auntie Riri.
0: What was the one thing that gave you the most hope during all these years?
1: The one thing that gave me the most hope was realizing that reality is still the same person that she was. I mean, there are a lot of things about her that have changed. Obviously, you—you, anybody who has spent four years incarcerated or in federal prison for any amount of time is going to change. But underneath it all, underneath all the protective layers that she had to build up, she's still my baby sister. And we still talk about stupid things. And we still make stupid jokes. And, you know, if if people were listening to us, <laughs> they would think that we're, you know, weird, or they would think, you know, bad things about us, but we're very sarcastic is the thing. And we, we obviously, you know, don't, don't mean things. We don't say anything, you know, really bad, but, um, we say just ridiculous things like over the years, um, even though everything has been very heavily monitored, everything that I say to her and that she says to me, we were still able to connect through humor. And, uh, for example, there's this, this is this, uh, horrifying internet cartoon called Salad Fingers. I don't know if you're familiar. It's, it's a very kind of niche, weird, early YouTube thing. And reality was able to in prison carve a bar of soap into Salad Fingers figurine. And she brought it to a video chat once and it just like, I, I think I like cried like from laughing so hard because it was so funny that she had, she had done that. She had made that. And she even took like a little piece of her hair and gave, Gave him a little wig, and it just like it kind of looked like Boris Johnson at that point, but like mixed with salad fingers, which was just so funny. And I think that the fact that Reality retained her sense of humor and the, the core person that she is really gave me hope over these four years, because you know there's there's nothing worse than seeing somebody you love go through something terrible like that, and you can't do anything to help them. We felt so powerless for four years. I mean, the only thing I could do was offer her support, you know, via the phone. Or email or, or video chats, and I was very lucky and thankful that we could do that. But I, you know, I wanted to get her out of there, and I couldn't. So we did the next best thing, and I tried to transport her mind at least a little bit out of there. And what's been great about her not being in federal prison anymore now is that we text and you know constantly back and forth, memes, pictures, you know, just just so many things. And one thing that I've I've learned, you know, would be seven months after I you know had Indigo is. It's no longer, you know, really, how are you? It's, you know, in the morning, the text is, how's the baby? So that's interesting. And reality is definitely um, just obsessed with Indigo and just loves to see pictures of her every single day.
0: Uh, Final line of questioning here. This is a different question, I'm sure, that you might get. Uh, Do you think reality, your mom or even you, will ever plan on running for office?
1: I'll speak for myself first. Yes, I'd run for office. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I think I'd be pretty good at it. I think that because I genuinely care, you know, about people and what they have to say and I love meeting people and talking to people, I think that that would be great. It'd be, it'd be a privilege, um, and an honor to represent people and for people to choose me to do so. My mom, I think would be similar, be this kind of the same way. She, she likes that kind of thing and she, she loves to speak in front of people and talk to people. So, and I know that my mom would also be good at it. I'm not sure. If she'd want to, that's kind of my sort of question, question about that reality. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it could really go either way. I feel like, uh, one of these days, you know, once, once reality has her pardon and once she can, she can speak to media, I think that that'd be a wonderful follow up question for you to ask her and, and find out, you know, how she feels about it. I think she, I think she'd do great, but you know, whether, whether or not somebody would, you know, wants to do something has nothing to do necessarily with whether they'd be good at it. But what an interesting question. Thank you.
0: Hey, everyone. We finally have podcast subscriptions. Get exclusive subscribers only podcasts with interviews, our personal opinions on current events and coming soon. Early access to our public releases for only six ninety nine a month. Subscribe on Anchor right now. Well, I, I think, yeah, just from you speaking to you and your mom, I can see that. Uh, and I've worked with too many politicians to count literally. And I can tell you that y'all would be great at it, especially with your experience and, you know, the ins and outs of what people have dealt with, especially at the federal level. So abuse of power, things like that, and then being able to get to the bottom of this to see what the reality was behind uh, the scenes here. Now I think we'll eventually get to that, but, uh, Uh, Obviously, uh, if you or your mom or or your sister were to plan on running for office, I hope that you hit me up and let me know because I'll be one of your first supporters. Reality (laughs) uh, Reality is free from prison, but she isn't free. Can you tell me what she faces now? What's her road like ahead? And most importantly for this interview, what can people who are listening do to help out
1: Absolutely. I like to say that reality's body is free. Um, so her physical body, I mean, she, she has kind of a bigger cell now, if you want to think about it, you know, really cynically, um, the sides of my parents' house and, you know, a little bit of their property. So reality can go into the garage and work out whenever she wants, as much as she wants, you know, that's great. That's something that makes her really happy. Reality can also, you know, cook, as long as my parents you know can go get her the groceries and find the groceries that she wants she can cook whatever she wants and so her dietary her exercise needs are much better met but what reality is missing is the freedom of speech and so i think that a lot of people you know would like to be free in their mind i mean our our country the united states of america is is built on freedom of speech and right now reality doesn't have that right um she can't speak to journalists she can't speak her mind. She can't talk about certain things. I think that that weighs very heavily on her. Um, it's certainly something that we as a family have, have struggled with because there are so many people who want to speak to her. I mean, everybody wants to speak to her and ask her, you know, why did you do it? Why did you leak the document? You know, what were your exact motivations? How did you feel? You know, were you thinking about what could happen to you or what could happen to your family? You know? I would also like to know the answer to those questions, but she, she can't talk to me about it. She can't talk to her mother about it. You know, who knows, you know, when she'll be able to do that um, if she doesn't get a pardon. So the main purpose of coming on this podcast with you here today is to urge President Joe Biden to grant reality a full pardon and to impress upon your listeners the importance of getting reality a pardon that Anybody who has heard this story and who feels like reality should get a pardon, please keep tweeting, keep posting things on Facebook, please keep up the pressure. Um, there is a, a petition for reality's pardon. If you go to standwithreality.org, you can find more information about reality, her case, more pictures, and, uh, and the petition. And so, I would just ask people if, if you care, if this is something that, you know, is, is, has been interesting to you, if you feel like reality should have been treated better, that first of all, we appreciate you. We appreciate anybody who cares um, because for four years, it's, it's been very difficult getting the word out because people have heard that reality, for example, is a terrorist or wanted to hurt a country. And hopefully I've convinced you that that's very far from the truth. And you now I'm happy to talk to anyone who really wants to talk about my sister Um, and and tell you that reality is not a terrorist and that she loves her country. I would urge people to keep up the pressure, um, write letters to President Joe Biden. And if there's anybody listening to this who can speak to President Joe Biden or um, anybody um, connected to him, please bring it up or at the very least, tell him that I need a meeting with him, that I'd be glad. Again, any time, day or night, you know, just give me an hour's notice, and I will start driving, and I will be there at the White House and I would love to have five minutes of President Biden's time to convince him that my sister, reality Lee winner, desperately needs a presidential pardon.
0: When I crafted my report on Donald's Russian ties, just his business ties between uh, you know for the last I guess now forty years or so, um, when I did that, and I, it was two days after the election, and it was determined that he had won, um, and I started running around Congress with it, I did not look at like the tomorrow of it. And I just remember that when, when I was bringing it around and whatnot, I didn't think about me at all, and I just have a feeling that reality had something like that going on, as in like the truth needs to come out because this is going to hurt a lot of people. And if you look at what's happened now, it he hurt a lot of people. And, and so, like, I think in the grand scheme of things, uh, I can pretty surely say that your sister saved some lives and helped people because fighting this misinformation, like, that's the idea uh, the Russians wanted to craft, that divisiveness. And also, you know, I mean, they're lying about COVID online, to, you know, as if they're Americans, like, they're killing people. And so that's the bottom line there. And your sister was like, no, don't kill people. And that's, I think, the end game that you can see there is the truth needed to come out. I think that your uh, sister will be painted as the hero she is uh, in the long run. And this will all, you know, hopefully be put behind her. But it can't do that without everybody's support. And so make sure you visit standwithreality.org. Uh, that website will be in the episode's notes, and we'll also be pushing that out with the three-part episode series. Just because it's you, and you're pretty inspiring to me, I, I'd like you to leave us with some, let's call them, words of wisdom. People who are struggling right now with their family, just in general, whether it's COVID or wrongful imprisonment of a family member, you know, anything there. What would you be, uh, po- positive words of wisdom to to part us with?
1: It's nothing new, but you know, hug your family tight hug your mom, you know, call your mom. There you go. Call your mom. <laughs> That's basically it, right? Call your mom, call your dad, um, call your family, the people who, who matter to you, hug your kids. Just like, you never know when something can happen, whether it's, you know, recently there was that really tragic condo collapse in Florida, or, you know, when my sister was arrested, I didn't know that the next four years would be really difficult and challenging. I wouldn't be able to talk to her whenever I wanted, or I wouldn't be able to visit her. And I wish that I had known in in May of 2017, she was planning this trip and she really wanted me to come with her. And it was a very important trip to her. And mm-hmm. I was working on my PhD at the time. And I thought for sure that I couldn't go, you know, even though it was only going to be like a three day weekend, very quick trip. Now I just decided that there was going to be, you know, other opportunities in the future for us to go on this trip together. But then of course, you know, about a month later, reality was arrested and, you know, um, we don't know when she's going to be able to go on a trip like that. And so I wish that I had gone. That's a lot of words of wisdom, but essentially don't, don't miss the opportunities to spend time with a loved one because you never know when you're going to not have that opportunity anymore.
0: Standwithreality.org. Brittany Winner. Thank you so much. And Indigo, Winner, as well.
1: Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you having me on the show and giving me a chance to talk about reality. Um, I love talking about reality. And uh, Indigo likes blowing raspberries. So we're all we're all happy here.
0: Be sure to subscribe to our podcast at anchor.fm slash Report. Thanks again to Brittany Winner for taking the time today. Thanks to our producer, Grant Stern. You can follow him at Grant Stern. To visit our website, you can go to DworkinReport.com. Thanks again for listening. Onward!